Everybody, welcome to the Matt Townsend. The uh, the what's the word? Highly re- is is reputed. Is that a word? Renowned? No. Reputable? The reputable? Ah, that doesn't sound right. Hey, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side. Today we're talking about your reputation. Have you got one? I've got one. I've got one. People always say, "Oh, I love your show." Like my mom says it every week. She watches weekly, listens weekly. Every week she listens to one of my five shows. Love that lady. Sister, bi- bi-monthly, twice monthly. I guess that's different. You know, so I have fans. I have peeps. I have a reputation to uphold. So I say to my peeps, hey, peeps, I want to do a show on reputation because it's so important. And they say, well, the way the show's going, maybe we ought to work on career reputation just to make sure you're still viable in the market in case you need to move on. I don't know what they mean. So we're going to go to Merritt, the executive producer of this award-winning show, because we've won an award, and it was amazing. Merritt, why are we doing a show on career reputation? What are you trying to tell me? You know, Matt, I've been concerned about you for some time. Well, duh. I feel like you're kind of just turning a blind eye to some problems that may be present. Okay, keep going. Don't name names, but is he standing next to you? Yeah, I mean, you really need to. (laughs) The problem, I mean. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like you need to be more assertive when you have problems with people. Do you think so? Yeah. Like, like bring it out. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We're still talking about Bryce. Yeah, I think so. You know what's sad? Sky's not here today. It is sad. We just made fun of Bryce. Let's have an update, though. Let's. We have to have an update because uh, Bryce visited him in quarantine. Sky has been battling. I don't know what we call a malady. What do we call it? Uh, West Nile virus. An infestation. Sky. He's he's patient zero. Okay. (laughs) Sky has got. um, Sky's. They found some critters on Sky's body. (laughs) Some critters that have been. You know. Eating skin cells. It's getting gross fast. <laughs> so, you know, mom, if you're out there, Sky's mom, you know, he probably needs a call. And, and some. And a special comb to get those little critters out of his hair. And, and, you know, while we're at it, just some amoxicillin, you know, some. Yeah. Some any, antibiotics. Any, any antibiotic, really. Really? You don't, there's no preference. Grab any of your leftovers, even though they tell you not to hang on to your, you know, leftover. <laughs> prescriptions how, how do we do a show on reputation without sky who are we going to laugh at what reputation have we artificially created and broadcasted yeah. and created a life of its own well i guess we'll have to just keep making it up what better example um reputations do you guys worry about your reputation or do you like – well, not you, Bryce. I'm leaving, so – No, but like – because you guys are in a very – you know, you've got a lot of people around here, a lot of people that respect you. You want to look good for the peeps. You want a good letter of recommendation from me, right? Obviously. What? A letter with the name Dr. Matt Townsend on it 
yeah. would do so many favors for my career. It would do better if it could be a prescription, <laughs> but it oh, can't be. So all it could be really is a letter of recommendation. But speaking of prescriptions, I once asked Matt to prescribe me a depression dog, and he didn't do it. So that doesn't work. He really did. He asked if I – Look, um, he's a doctor. Can you prescribe me a dog? How do you get like I authorized know to have a dog? Because I would well, totally be if all you're for sad. That. I could prescribe you a dog. No, no, no. Can you if a doctor us a dog, a, actually, if a doctor thinks no. you're sad, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, I haven't, I don't have that level of um, authority. I can only do guinea pigs. <laughs> I can only administer guinea pigs, uh, small vermin. We call them S V. We call them small vermin. Uh, uh, I, uh, if you want a hermit crab. I'm on it. What is the uh, in Princess Bride rodents of unusual uh, the size? The R-O-U-S's. <laughs> but I don't really think they exist. Oh, oh they do. <laughs> Have you not heard of Sky Boy's hair? Huge. Huge rodents of unusual well, size. Well, his hair is a nest of an unusual size, <laughs> which so means funny. something else had to make it. He was supposed to be going on a date. He still may be. You know, depending if they let him out. They just put him in a bubble. In but a now bubble. he's going <laughs> to come in a bubble. But um, the poor guy was like, should I cut my hair? And, you he know, said no. Uh, no, I said, at this rate, the vermin are going to get it. But in, the poor guy, does he go on the date still? Do you go on a date with um, lice of the head? Head lice. No, definitely no. Well, what if you do, but you just wear like a hair But he doesn't have lice. Thing. He has rodents of unusual size nesting well, in his hair. Well, That's the rodents are actually just getting the bugs that were eating the head lice. Oh. So he, he's got a lot of stuff going on. It's like the cow It sounds like he has an ecosystem he, he on top is, of his yeah. head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, and he's, <laughs> he's turning from a solid to a liquid to a gas. That's what's going on in his head. It's, it's science. He's gone. It's biology. Yeah. It's, it's powerful. Um, and if he were only here to talk about it, because then his reputation wouldn't be shattered. Is he here? He's here somewhere. Like, oh. not in our building, but he, he's still alive. He's in the clinic. He's well. He, he's behind a whole I guess bunch of that teaches wrap. you, Skyboy, uh, if you want to take care of your reputation, you ought to come to work. If not, you've got head lice. And rodents of unusual size. Um, So today we're talking – okay, here's the deal. Oh, my word. Do you remember what we talked about yesterday on the show? I had this little thing that happened to me in my car. Anybody remember? You had a spider in your car. I – okay. I remember because I got into my car after work and I had to like check every surface. Did you? For about – it took me about five minutes. Did you check every surface? I did. And I – did it have a spider in my Okay, car? this is a bad this is an alert. An alert because I just I heard of a story and I'm pretty sure this is what I found in my car. Uh apparently in London in England somewhere where is it my iPad's not moving. Apparently in England there um there was a wonderful lady buying bananas as she is one to do. Yes, I mean, who wouldn't buy a banana? And so she bought she bought ten pounds worth, uh, uh, British money pound, right? So, so actually, pound. whoa, that's a lot of bananas. sixteen dollars worth of bananas. That's a lot of bananas. Let's just say somebody's got a monkey. Well, and, well, um, maybe she's making banana bread. Okay, ah, uh, yeah, maybe okay. she's that's making a lot a, of banana. I'm bread. just saying. Yeah. Well, or I just think she got a monkey. I or she's making banana bread for her monkey. <laughs> Good. If if you have a monkey. 
<laughs> you don't make bread. You give them a banana. That doesn't make sense, Matt. You make bread for humans. That's crazy, Hannah. Anyway. Okay. She's giving her monkey banana bread. And this poor woman sees, buys, uh, by the way, because we're talking about reputations of corporations. Over there, there is a chain of stores called Sainsbury. You heard of that? Merritt used to live there. Yeah. Yeah, I went to one of those. Sainsbury. I cranberries. Uh, um, if, if you actually knew the root word of Sainsbury, that would be um, banana murderers. Banana murder people. That's a bit strong. It's Latin. Okay. Sains, uh, banana. It's Matt. Bury bury you in the backyard. Banana, bury you in the backyard. Here's the story. Lady buys 12,000 pounds of bananas (laughs) to feed her monkey banana bread. For $10. (laughs) On the way home, she notices little white spots all over these bananas. Like, what are these little white things on the – this is weird. Those white things on the bananas seem so weird. Took the bananas in her house, sat them down on her counter. Look closer. Those white things seem to be moving. They're white things moving on the bananas. And when there's things moving on your produce, that's when you burn it. Good idea. She now should watch. Just set her house on fire. So what right? she did? Just burn the whole house. Well, hold on. She first took pictures. And your car. She then took the spy. Oop. She took the bananas back to Sainsbury store. By the way, I'm not trying to ruin a reputation. I'm sure they're picking up our show right now. And a, she then sent the picture off to a local expert on um, on pest control. Bugs. Mm-hmm. He then called her back immediately. And guess what? After closer look, they found out that what were on the bananas were deadly spiders from Brazil. Stowaways. Fast moving. They're emigrating. Emigrating (laughs) spiders that had infested her house because she didn't get them out in time. Mm. So she did have to burn her house down. And after a closer look, these these spiders, by the way, they're they're laying, they're hatching eggs everywhere, scurrying around on the carpet, she said. The police came, they tried to shoot them. No, I made that <laughs> the up. The spiders actually laughed at the bullets. Yeah. Okay, wait. How big were these spiders? They were like, just how tiny. How did she not realize that that was a Well, spider? it's just a little, you know, they're small. We don't know how good her eyesight was. <laughs> By the way, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, which lists the particular wandering spider as the most venomous type of spider, boom, uh, a point zero 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 six milligrams of the arachnids' venom could kill a mouse. It's not a very frightening scale. If I was a mouse <laughs> in that lady's house, I would be scared. Well, yeah, she doesn't have a mouse problem. Anyone anymore. else just feel nauseous talking yeah, do you feel about like, bugs? Okay, now watch. Now I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not one to worry about stuff like this. But I'm pretty sure I've got <laughs> the same spider in my car. I'm it, just saying. It bounced from no, Brazil. No, no, but I've had a banana. In your lifetime. You've had a banana in your car before? <laughs> no. Okay. okay. But they they don't they could get onto me. <laughs> I like by the way. You are like a banana. I'm, and I like You've to, got skin. I, I like to eat bananas. You're soft in the center. So anyway, if you're out there driving and uh you notice any white spots anywhere. Run. Carpet, 
burn set, whatever it is. Set it on run. fire and then run. So now all the way, all of a sudden, Sainsbury, the store, is in trouble because they about killed a family. And, and somebody's got to pay to exterminate the house now, and the family had to live in, a, in an apartment or in a hotel, and guess what? Let's, hope, let's hope they got it. So let's uh, let's get to the reputation. Does it matter, huh? Does it matter if you just about killed a family with deadly spiders? What do you think, Merritt? I'd say yes. I, I would say that matters. Does death, it matter death is, that you almost you know, killed a radio matter. show host? Matt, I think class action lawsuit. You taking it too personally? Well, that's part of your reputation. Yeah, but it's okay. Well, I just want everyone to know: if you see a spider, call Sainsbury. They're apparently they're handing them out. <laughs> and by the way, their bananas totally overpriced. <laughs> Who buys sixteen pounds of no ten pounds of uh, bananas? Okay, other companies apparently have great reputations. Some yeah. not so great reputations. Yeah. So think of this. Okay. Um, have you ever heard the amazing Costco return story? Like where like where like, you bought something, yeah, you took you back something, something you didn't you even buy it. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like those are great. Yeah, uh-huh. so that's a pretty good reputation. That's so somebody's true. like, you know, what there was this do? T-shirt that I thought I bought at Costco, but it had been a couple yeah. years. So they I actually bought it. Nope, sure. at Sainsbury in London. And then they, you bring it to Costco, and they're like, yeah, we'll give you store we'll credit that. for that. And yeah, that's a good story. It's a pretty good reputation. Now, by the way, you can't get out of there for under five thousand dollars. <laughs> no, that is. But but, but other why than would that. you? Have you ever had those like? Chocolate coconut almonds, the dark chocolate oh. coconut almonds. Oh yeah, yeah. Those good. are bad. Mm. They're addictive. What if they had spiders on them? You're paranoid. It's huh? actually pretty funny to see how much businesses care about what people think. Oh yeah. I mean, I had a wretched experience with a gym, um, and when I was trying to end what they said was not a contract, um, just like. Better business bureau them. Okay, okay. We're good. We're good. Hey, we're good. Just take your take your mat and get out of here. (laughs) That's sad. Yeah, everyone's been shaken up by a or shaken down, I guess, by a gym before. They're evil. I've been shaken down by a gym. You just fake your own death and then you're good. Yours was yeah. My name actually isn't Bryce. Don't worry about that though. (laughs) Oh really? Do they know your middle name? Nope. No one does. We're getting closer. Maybe my middle name is my actual name, which is why I'm so secretive about it. Well, there you have it. Maybe his middle name's on Facebook. Uh, it isn't. It uh, is. I cover my tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Come okay. on. Come, I don't have an internet footprint the size of the Grand Canyon like some people in this So room. you are worried about your reputation? Uh, yes. And there's something. So apparently Bryce was a more palatable name than <laughs> Kike. <laughs> Which was your original it was actually first name? Ignacio. Ignacio. <laughs> Ronaldo. Hmm. I'm actually Spanish. I'm trying to find the name from Spain. I could probably divine it if, <laughs> if you just looked at me. You could scry it out of with your uh-huh. your magics. Wah, 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 wah. Uh, other stores. Give me some stores you guys think top notch. What about Trader Joe's? Trader Joe's. They, Trader they Joe's. seem pretty good. They seem that – that's the kind of company that would import spiders though. I don't think so. Because they import so much. No. Don't they? No. They they make everything in their own Trader oh, Joe's company. Okay. Well, that's different. Do okay. they make bananas? Yeah. No. Spider-free bananas. <laughs> Trader Joe's. 
<laughs> so Trader Joe's does have they have a killer reputation. Nordstrom's a killer has reputation. a killer reputation. Nordstrom's also the crazy return stories. Yeah. Um, what I love about Trader Joe's is that people can walk in there and there's only like one brand of organic eggs to buy. But yeah. because it's Trader Joe's, like who cares that you can't choose? Well, <laughs> this matters to some people. Okay, man. I get yeah. it. I get it. No, okay. And then it's like if Trader Joe's opens up in a new area, people mm-hmm. will oh, line up for crazy. Days. Yeah. yeah. We had like a big press thing. By the way, they did the same thing days ago with the donut company, Krispy Kreme. When they opened Krispy Kreme in town, you would think the circus was coming. Well, Provo's had one forever, so. Yeah, but that's the one. They're the one. Oh. One time we waited in line the day they were opening Krispy Kreme. Guess what? We got to the front of the line. We didn't have money. It took that long. You ran out of money. We ran out of money. (laughs) You were in that line that long. We killed 14 (laughs) spiders in that car. (laughs) And the kids were scared and like, Daddy, help us. Well, we were already stuck in line. You couldn't get out of line. We were stuck because all these cars were around. So did you get in that line intentionally or did you accidentally? No, we thought we had our money. Because I've done that. Yeah, we didn't have our wallets. I thought I was waiting for a left turn. Nope, McDonald's. What do you do? You're in line. Well, you just order. You just go along with we'd, it. Well, we, we had order, ordered and we, had, we didn't have the money to pay for the order. So we somehow scrounged up. Actually, we shook down our kids and we took money out of their pockets. <laughs> just turned them upside down. Check. And we got the change. I think we had like 80 cents. But our bill was That's like That's nine donuts. So you're good. And guess what they did? They gave two for free. They said, get out of here with your kid. No, they said, we're going to give it to you. And here's another dozen. Wow. I think it's because all the kids Don't were in the back seat. Like, <laughs> they were all so sad. We're not going to get donuts. I love when you have a great customer service experience. Yeah. Like I think Red Robin food is not that good, but I always have a fantastic server. So I eat there because I love the service. Well, and who wants to eat dead robins? No one. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's sad. They're beautiful birds. They're delicious when they're dead. <laughs> Red Robin. Um, um. Have you got – we don't want to just say some have bad reputations, but some stores have reputations they need to work on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Best Buy is included in that. When well, you mention so – yeah. for example, I'm in – it's technically it's the media arts degree. Yes. If you mention Best Buy in our classroom, that phrase will be reacted to with laughter. Really? Like ridiculing laughter. Really? Yeah. So if you go into Best Buy, it was like you can go into Best Buy to get your SD cards, and everybody just laughs because you oh, know that's they know. So sad. Yeah, but you know what? I went into Best Buy to buy an SD card. You priced them. <laughs> they were out of stock. The employees didn't know where they were. Yeah. And it was about twice the prices I got eventually got on Amazon. So like, what's an SD card? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I went there when I was buying my TV. And the rule with TVs is bigger is better. If you're getting a bigger TV, yeah. you're getting a better quality TV for the most part. So I had found something that I kind of liked, but the, I wanted to shop around. Well, tell them what the 130-incher. It was <laughs> That's huge. That's actually bigger than my living room. Yeah. Um, Which is, so you had to put it in diagonally. Well, really what we did is we just took the whole wall out. Yeah. Don't tell my landlord. It's amazing. Um, Someone's showering TV. on the back of your TV I know, now. weird, but we worked it out. No, I, was, I, I found this TV that I liked. I want to see what it was. I went to Best Buy, and I was like, okay, so here's – Here's what I'm looking at. Here's what I kind of want to buy. What can you guys do better? It was about 60 inches and it was $800. Yeah. Pretty good deal. That's a huge TV. And they were, like, they were like, 
Oh, uh, we've uh, we've got this. We've got one that's 65 inches for $2,000. Yeah. Do you want that? I was like, well, five inches for uh, more than twice the price. So, uh, no. Um, <laughs> what else you got for me? Um, we went for about an hour. Really? Until I realized, you guys you guys don't have anything for me. If you, you know just what? said that in the beginning, I might. The best is when they actually refer. You know what? You got to go to Amazon. Actually, towards the end, the guy was just like, eh, just go to Costco and get it. If you just go to Amazon or Costco, those people will price match us every day. Poor people. <sighs> Reputations. That's what we're talking about. You know, this show has one. I worry about it. Okay. What else do you want me to do? On the show today, we're talking about your reputation. Do you think if companies worry about a reputation, don't you think you ought to worry about your reputation? Are you somebody that uh, your reputation precedes you? And, you know, if all of a sudden you lost a job, could you pick one up fast because of your reputation? Or would you first have to file some paperwork and serve some jail time? We're going to take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking to Bryce. I guess his name is Bryce. We'll see. Bryce Tobin doing a little rant for us. After the break, this is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, kids. Today we're talking about your reputation you know, businesses have reputations. They worry about how they sound, they look. Of course, we on this show, we care about our reputation. We really do. And, uh, you know, BYU Radio, people have – you want to put off the best vibe that you can. Now, our own uh, Leroy Bryce Tobin uh, has been um, putting together a little rant for us today about, I guess, how other people see us. There's people in our lives that see us in certain ways but they don't always see us the same way. Hmm. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is The Bryce is Right. We are usually our own harshest critic. Or at least we should be. We know too much. We always get to be there to see ourselves at our worst. And this got me thinking, how are we seen by the people around us? Like our dog. Dogs think we're the best. We never smell bad to them. We always just smell like us. Anytime we go away for more than 30 minutes, when we get back, dogs are so delighted that Master is back. They don't wonder where Master went. They don't ask for an explanation. Master is like a space heater and a fleece blanket all rolled together. Master is squishy and warm, which is why they always want to lay or sit on Master. And Master is such a good provider. Master always gives them food. Sometimes Master even gives them some food off Master's plate. And when Master's really feeling generous, he'll cook those strips of pig meat delicacies that make the house smell amazing and then give them some. As far as your dog is concerned, you are the best. You're in charge, and that's totally cool. Sometimes you get mad, but dogs can't really hold a grudge, so they forget about it after a few hours. But when it comes to our dog, the dog only knows what we're like in our home life. Then there's our boss. As far as our boss is concerned, we'd be late to our own funeral. And our boss is sometimes confused as to how we manage to get dressed and find our way out of our apartment every morning. With all the hand-holding they have to do, our boss also wonders how old we were when we were finally able to cross the street without holding mom's hand. Like, what, 17? We have so much trouble with deadlines that our boss actually plans project deadlines with your initial failure to deliver in mind. The stated deadline is never anything more than a formality. But when it comes to our boss, they only know what we're like at work. 
Or what about our mom? As far as seeing us at our worst, she's definitely in second place. She hasn't seen all of our failures, but she's seen most of them to date. Sometimes I think moms see their children in such a good light because they're just happy we're still alive and kicking. And any improvement we manage to make, I think they're thrilled because, let's face it, they remember when we had trouble with spoons. Which is also why I think they get worried so often. Because they remember when our biggest technical challenge was scooping up food with a tiny shovel and putting it into our mouths without creating a mess the size of any oil tanker spill. But when it comes to our moms, they only know our past. The thing we need to keep in mind is that the people in our lives only get to see part of the whole that is us. We know the whole story, but they don't. And they have to make decisions about us based on what little they know. That's why we gotta make sure our mom knows we're as fallible as our boss thinks we are. And that our boss knows we're as reliable as our dogs think we are. And that our boss knows we're as reliable as our dog thinks we are. And that our dog doesn't really need to know anymore about us. They love us unconditionally anyway. Alright, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Could you just repeat that last about 20 seconds? No. It was going so well till right then. I'm like, well, so does the dog think like the, mo- the, the mom and the boss? What I'm saying is you need to have a consistent picture. Yes. But you need to know, right? Well, you need to know your – you need to know, I guess, what you want to project because really we're all just projecting what we want everyone to think. Oh, Totally. Because we're not telling people what we're really doing, right? Like, hey, what's your biggest flaw? Ugh, I like blood. <laughs> I really like blood. No one says that, even no if one. they did. Vampires would, but they're not real. So, Or are they? Or is that what they want you to think? Is that their reputation? Yeah, it's a weird. reputation they've got to keep up with. So um, I also like the, your interpretation of the dog and that you know what dogs think. I mean, if their behavior is any evidence of their thoughts, mm-hmm. which I, we can assume Probably, that's the case. Yeah. Um, dogs think I'm awesome. Oh, you have you ever noticed you can even you know kick a dog accidentally, like when you're mad, like and then, move or and then, step on them accidentally. Yeah, and they're back. They love you. Like they don't say, "Hey, idiot, why didn't you quit stepping on my feet?" Right. They're very sensitive. No, they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry," and why? they cuddle on your bed. Right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> have you ever given a dog uh, peanut butter? Oh, it's the best. It's probably bad for him. Number one. But that's why my dog loved me. Dogs are delighted by peanut butter. Yeah. They know that smell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we make fun of them because it's funny because they, uh, you know, they keep licking the roof of their mouth because they can't get it off. But really, the dog thinks that's the best thing ever. And that's why they like us. They love us. We're paying them off. (laughs) Bribery. It's called reputation. We've got a good reputation with our dog. If we could do that with our dog, we could probably do it with other people. Maybe with your boss. Just put a little peanut butter on the roof of his mouth. Um, on the show today, we're talking to an expert. Okay, Sarah Canada is going to join us. She is the author of the book, You According to Them. And she's going to teach us how to kind of look for and, and make sure you're managing your reputation in your career, right? Help you find our blind spots, fix our reputations online, social media, a bunch of different places. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're talking to the pros about how to improve our reputation with others, especially professionally. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back talking reputation right here on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we're talking about your reputation. Do you have a reputation that precedes you? 
Do you think because of who you are, who you know, how people think about you, would it be easy for you to go get another job? Or, uh, you know, can you, you do you need to keep that job in your family-owned business? <laughs> because, uh, you know, you've burned some bridges. Not that all family-owned businesses, you could burn your bridges, but do you have a good reputation? Do you have a career reputation? Does your, uh, you know, do people know about you? Are you networked? Are you in the know? That's what we're talking about today. And we've got an incredibly uh, talented expert to help us today. Sarah Canada is joining us. She has an MBA and has spent more than 15 years as a corporate uh, in corporate America in marketing and customer service operations management. She's a speaker, consultant, coach. She's a certified emotional intelligence specialist and owner of the rapidly growing firm Sarah Canaday and Associates. I guess most importantly for today, she is the author of the book, You According to Them. And uh, you can find more about Sarah at her website, sarahcanaday.com. Sarah, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Glad to be here, Matt. Thank you for having me. You bet. And uh, you live in Austin, Texas with your hubby and your daughter, Taylor, and your son, Cole. I do. And a dog, Lexi. (laughs) Hey, have you ever tried the peanut butter thing on Lexi? Well, we have to, to give her her pills. That's the only way she'll down them. (laughs) Wow. That's a great way. When we give Skyboy, the guy that runs our board, um, when we give him a pill, he's gagging on it for like an hour. (laughs) So we're going to start using the the peanut butter method. Hey, now, (laughs) help us here, Sarah, because it seems like, you know, reputations, we get that companies need to maintain a good reputation. But maybe when it comes, and we know universities do too, by the way, right? So we, you know, if somebody's gone to Harvard, it's like, whoa, okay, that's, you're legit. Unless, by the way, it's Harvard Technical School for left-handed. on the border. Right. That's what we used to call my university. I I grew up in El Paso, Texas, so that was our little (laughs) saying for our little Harvard on the border. Harvard on the border. Yeah. Yeah, UTEP, was that UTEP? University of Texas, El Paso? UTEP, the Harvard on the border. Yes. That's great. Oh, that's funny. Um, Yeah. So we always want to kind of prop up our reputation, don't we? Yes, absolutely. Is it that big of a deal? I mean, do we, when it comes to you as a, as a, as an entity, any human being nowadays, we really, we need to see ourselves, I guess, a little bit more as, as an entity, right? We need to worry about what people are thinking, what's out there on Facebook and what's out there that could, that could make us look bad, those blind spots. Absolutely. We, we need to be a little concerned with how others see us. Yeah. What, like, what do you mean? Because it seems, it seems like we've always kind of worried about that, but it seems today's day and age, it's, it might be getting out of hand for what people can find out about us. Well, and it, is, it may even seem counterintuitive. You know, nowadays you hear the, the term authentic, be an authentic leader. Uh, be true to who you are, because yeah. people otherwise will figure it out, right? They're right. not genuine. And by any stretch of the imagination, I do not mean be so worried about your reputation that you become somebody you're not. Yeah, you don't want to be fake. No, and you don't want to obsess over your reputation from a very self-serving standpoint. Right. Um, what I'm suggesting here is that you get very good at understanding how your approaches your strategies and your behaviors impact others. Yep. And you do it so that you can adjust your style and behavior to better suit others. Because so you're kind of yeah. saying, and it sounds like you're it sounds like you're um, 
you are being attacked by Brazilian spiders. Oh, it does? Yeah. Are you in a place where are – you, are you in a good place for your phone? I may not be. I can uh, move around the Maybe office. just move around. I was just thinking – we just okay. did a story about spiders that are deadly. Okay. And it just sounds like a lot of spiders are getting on you. But um, just you just move around until you find that right place. I'll let you know from our okay. end. Well, you said they, we have to make sure our approaches and our strategies um, are, are kind of that they that they res they resi- what, what did you say resonate with others that they that they're productive that they're effective. They're effective, and that we understand how we're impacting people, right? right. And what kind of reactions are we? Um, instigating what what kind of response um, and and then that way we can better sort of adjust our style and our approach and our behaviors to to better suit others. Yeah, I mean, and I guess that's part of the idea, huh? Is you can't just sit there and say, "Well, this is just who I am." I mean, if they don't like it, they can just go away. The reality is, if if you want to keep your brand alive, you have to adapt, and you have to adapt with the boss of the moment. And again, it doesn't mean you have to be superficial. But you have to be adaptable. Right. And, you know, there are some people who absolutely think that this idea of adjusting our behavior to suit others and to collaborate and to better communicate is being a sellout. Yeah. Right? Especially in the world of corporate. And I've coached many people who start out sort of thinking that way, right? Mm-hmm. That that's, that's being inauthentic, it's being a sellout, it's, it's trying to over-accommodate others. But frankly, you know, what business doesn't produce results with and through others? Right. Right? So if you really feel that way, then you're a person who's better off being an entrepreneur, working in a solo capacity, Yep. But if you want to enter the work world, then you do have to adjust and you do have to, you know, maybe subtly, uh, you know, dampen what you want to say yeah. or how you would normally want to say it. Well, you're, it, it sounds like that's where your little your specialty's coming out. You're a certified emotional intelligence specialist. So you can almost hear that eking out in your in your very position here because you have to read people, and then you and you. So that's kind of social intelligence. But you you've got to know how to get results with other people in a world where it's a global marketplace, or even if you have your own company, you're still going to have to produce results with other people. Someone's still going to need to buy your stuff. That's correct. And you know, I would almost argue that what's more important is uh, than reading other people is knowing how other people read. Yeah, you. that's huge. Yes. And really, where where do you get that idea? Where do you get this idea to to know the impact you're having on other people? We don't teach that in school. We don't. And interestingly enough, I became personally interested in that through you know through corporate. And you know, I think it even started earlier than that. I think I it started for me coming to the University of Texas at Austin with fifty five thousand other students. <laughs> yeah, that are just was, like you. And I was nothing more than my social security number. Yeah. I realized that to set myself apart, I would have to be a keen observer of not only others, but the impact I would have on others. Mm. And then that became even more true as I entered the corporate world. And of course, I learned some of my own professional blind spots um, while I was, 
you know, coming up the ranks in corporate, I, I had my own challenges with professional blind spots. And then I began to see that in others. And I began to see very smart, well-meaning, well-intentioned professionals get passed up and overlooked because they had these subtle blind spots. Love that. That's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't even know. They didn't even know. And nobody was willing to tell them, by the way. Yeah. That's the thing about, I guess. So what, so give us some examples of blind spots, because it sounds like some of these aren't what people are probably out there thinking. I mean, it's a subtle thing that we almost don't want to comment. It, maybe it's something that's so personal to you, like even how you dress. Correct. That is that it's just you reflecting you, but other people are like, well, yeah, I'd like to take her out, but she can't wear a boa to our sales <laughs> meetings. Exactly. Right. Um, well, so as you know, I chronicled um, quite a few of these blind spots in my book, and yeah. there are many more. But I tried to pick the ones that aren't, you know, terribly obvious. This isn't, a, this isn't about individuals or professionals being jerks. Right. Right. They're not the obvious, you know. I mean, there are jerks, but that's not what you're talking about. Right. These are very subtle things. And one of the examples I give is, is what I call the safety patrol syndrome, right? Yeah. And, and we all know that. That's the person in the office who's extremely well-intentioned. Their background, for example, might be in, um, you know, policies and procedures. <laughs> yeah. They may have been a, um, in internal audit for years. They're, 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 thinking, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're automatically thinking in terms of risk management. Right. But the, so, so they're a company man or woman. Well, they're a company man, but, but that's our know, fear. The company, yes, they abide by the rules, and they're out to look for any potential risk. So yep. every time they show up to a meeting, they tend to shut things down. Right? Yeah. That's everybody else's perception. No, I have people that like that. That is not their intention, however. They automatically, A, have been trained to do that. B, in some cases, they're naturally wired to yeah. eke out risk. Yeah. That's how they are. That's how they channel information. Um, and yet, you know, others see them as just this person that just, you know, oh, there yeah. he or she goes again. Tattletale. Either going to tattletale or going to botch the idea yeah. because it has too much risk involved. See, but so, we learned that, Sarah, in, in grade school. So like when you're right. picking teams, you're sitting there like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, right. you. I mean, we've been doing this forever. We've been picking teams. Exactly. And you're kind of saying you need to be very aware of what makes you more attractive to get on teams and if you're, fit, if you're fitting in. Correct. And it doesn't mean you have to minimize or lose yourself, but you need to be selected on the team to be able to play the game to show how good you are. Yes. And I've actually said those exact words. Cool. Some of it is about getting the ticket to the game getting the entrance to the game, getting picked up to play the game, and then letting others see how you play the game. Yeah. Right? It's all of those things. I, and, I love that. Yeah. Because it doesn't go away. And honestly, it seems like the more you understand the, the game, more, more you know how to play in the rules, you can still have your tendencies, your proclivities, your desires to be attention to risk and detail. You also just could suspend that sometimes and just hear what the idea is and maybe let the idea come to fruition before we blow it up. Absolutely. That's, 
that's exactly right. And so it's just about modifying, yeah. right? It's about jockeying uh, some of your natural tendencies. I, I was, you know, like I said before, I had my own tendencies, right? Yeah. To be more serious, more intense. Um, that came in part because of the way I was wired, but also in part because of the way I was either trained or the filters that I had, you know, growing up. And so part of it, I had to adjust my limiting beliefs, but the other part of it is just knowing I'm not going to change who I am. Right. Right. I go to the store today, I make a beeline for the bananas, and you would think, you know, I was in the middle of a spreadsheet. I mean, I'm just an intent. Yeah. I don't even realize it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to change who I am, and I'm not suggesting that, but I do need to dial it back. Yeah. But by, because you know you. You know who right. you are and how it impacts. Exactly. Love it. Exactly. We're, we're talking with Sarah Canaday, who is the author of... Um, of the book, You According to Them. She's helping us understand how we can be more effective in our careers by paying more attention to to who we are and how we impact people, our own reputation with others. Hey, and uh, just a little bit of advice for you, Sarah. Stay away from the bananas. That's where the spiders are, according to the story earlier. We're going to take a break. We're coming back. We're talking career reputations, managing how other people see you and how you uh, impact others. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143. Yee-haw! Hoedown time. Means we're coming up at the top of the uh, hour here. One hour into the show, this is the Matt Townsend Show right here on uh, BYU Radio. Hey, today we're talking about you and your reputation. Right. I mean, we've all got a reputation, but some of it is um, we don't even know what we've got. We don't know if we, you know, how we impact people. And uh, our guest today, Sarah Canaday, is joining us. She's the author of the book, You According to Them. She spent 15 plus years in corporate America. She's also a certified emotional intelligence specialist, MBA as well. And she lives in Austin, Texas. By the way, went to the Harvard of the southern border, UTEP, <laughs> Texas, El Paso. Uh, and uh, I, I right? actually did not go to UTEP. Oh, I went okay. to UT. You, you went up to Austin. I did. Yeah, that is the, that's like the yell. Yeah. <laughs> that's the yell of Texas. <laughs> the yell on the border, okay. <laughs> but that's the yell, Y-E-L-L. Okay, oh, yes. It's a different yell. Okay. Um, well, Sarah, thanks for being on the show. Sure. Hey, you sound better. Oh, good. Your voice used to be garbled. Oh, wow. Okay. You sound, you know what? You sound sultry now. Oh, hey, I'll take that any day. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's good or bad. But um, (laughs) you're helping us with our reputations. And one of the things you've been trying to teach us is we, a lot of us have blind spots where we don't know quite how we come off to other people. You gave us an example of kind of the, uh, you know, the little policeman. (laughs) The little internal cop. The safety patrol. The safety patrol person. Give us another example of, you know, maybe a personality type or something that we might have that might be seen as a blind spot but impedes others from wanting to play, you know, the game with us. Sure. Um, One of the others is what I call the dust in my wind syndrome. Whoa. Okay. Yes. What's that? This is, yeah, this is the individual that is, you know, again, very sharp, very well-intentioned. Uh, has a tremendous capacity for learning, 
has a capacity to work endless hours, take on endless projects, all while making it look very easy. Yeah. And it comes so naturally for them. These people usually are, are gifted. They have photographic memories. Oftentimes they're leaders, which makes it even harder because yeah. their staff is literally struggling to keep up. I don't like those people. <laughs> right. And again, they many times they're not even aware. Yeah, they don't mean to. They don't mean to. They're not aware. They feel that anybody could do what they're doing. I mean, they literally think, and I've had clients say this to me. Oh, yeah. Anybody can work as hard as I do or, or you know, do what I do. And um, they don't understand their capacity is literally uh, quite a bit larger in several areas than other people. Yeah. And it does not make for a good team project or leadership circumstance. And meanwhile, if you just knew, right, if you knew you were this gifted, you can, you don't have to dial it down, but you also, you can manage the expectation. I don't need to expect you can do it. Right, right. And so usually you have to understand that you have to find a way to meet people where they are as opposed to everybody meeting you where you are. Right. And that's the difference. Yeah. No, I mean, oh, that's a good. See, we we need to know these blind spots and know kind of how others perceive us. How do you how do you suggest we figure this out? How do we learn what our reputation is, and what some of these blind spots are? Well, we we, we got to do that. We got to cringe and and buckle our seatbelts, and we got to do what we really probably don't want to do, which oh. is ask. Ah, really? Yeah. Well, and there's a certain way, and and. Uh, approach to that. Okay. You know, many people say they have mentors or you know colleagues, but unfortunately, many mentors and colleagues aren't going to tell you what you need to hear. Yep. They're going to tell you what they think you want to hear and what makes you feel good. The other thing is that even if we don't know the person very well and we ask, we're usually asking very open-ended questions. Hmm. You know, how do you think I'm doing? Well, what do you think about me? Um, and that is just too vague to get any sort of rich data back. Well, yeah, and so, if you are kind of an awkward duck, I would love yes. that question. Because then yeah. you're like, oh, you're great. Yeah. Man, your cookies that you bring to work are amazing. They're great, right? Yeah. And it's still lost on them, right? right yeah. they, they completely lost the fact that you've evaded the question wholly. So the best way to do it is really to sit down and you know come up with three to five adjectives that you want others to see you as, whatever that is based on your natural tendencies, based on the skills you bring to the table, based on how you, the impact you want to have on others. Hmm. And have those. Then perhaps mention a few other things, like how do I want people to describe what it's like to work with me? What do I want others to say about the impact of my communication? Right. So you have to get pretty specific here. Yeah. And then those are the kinds of questions you want to ask. And then yet, here's another hurdle. I think asking the people this face-to-face makes yeah. it another hurdle or challenge. On yeah. both ends, it's awkward. On I, both ends. You, anonymous. Exactly. Yes. So you've got to be able to canvas enough people anonymously that you're going to get a data set point. Bathroom right? wall. Put it well, on the bathroom wall, yeah, Sarah. Exactly. There Just you go. Just tape it up okay, right there. That's a new one. That's a new one. Hey, that's um, why I'm here. 
Yeah, no, that's a great idea. I gotta, I'm going to use that one. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on those walls. Yeah. So, right. I mean, you can find all kinds of ways to do this, either formally or informally. You can. You can choose to ask. You can choose to send an email and figure out how to get that sent back to you anonymously or to a colleague who can then delete who sent it. Um, I have actually had some very, you know, resourceful graduate students who've come up with this, you know, putting it in SurveyMonkey. Oh, that's what I was going to say. What a great tool, huh? Yeah, great tool. So explain SurveyMonkey, Monkey, because we've kind of been demeaning monkeys today. Okay. Well, SurveyMonkey is one of many survey platforms, and it's free for the most part. Uh, you can actually input any number of types of questions, whether you're ranking, whether you're open-ended, whether you're picking from A, B, and C, whether you're picking from a list of adjectives. Yeah. And you can set it up any way you want and then send the link to anybody you'd like to complete the survey. And the only thing that's captured is their IP address, so you don't know who it is. Love it. And it aggregates the data for you. And it's a very simple way to collect data. Which in corporate America, Sarah, there's companies that do this all day long, right? These 360-degree assessments. Which yeah. So you're just basically saying, let's put together your own self-awareness assessment to, to find out what people are really thinking. But that's yeah, so gutsy, isn't it? Well, but here's the thing. Those 360-degree surveys and assessments are reserved for the executive exactly. staff and the Senior level. Yep. Many of us who are mid-level managers, emerging leaders, we don't get the feedback because it doesn't go down that far. Right. They don't spend that kind of money on getting us executive coaching or uh, 360 degree assessment feedback. So this is my point: is take charge of your own career. Yeah. Do it yourself. I love it. And you know you can do it. And I, I have my own that's very similar to what I've described that I've actually, um, you know, used to do via SurveyMonkey, but now I have a platform um, that is part of a process that I use with, with corporate clients and, and engagements where, you know, people collect this data and then they literally get to grasp their data against their own self-assessment. Yeah. Right. So I have them ask themselves the same questions. And that way they can see a visual, distinct gap when we grasp their response, what they intended, what they desired, versus the collective of what others said. Oh, I love that idea. We're going to... Um... We're going to come back talking to Sarah Candidate. She's the uh, the author of the book, You According to Them. It's such a cool idea to be gathering this feedback. Number one, you get the feedback. Number two, you get used to getting feedback, which is yeah. going to help you down the road, right? Because you're going to you, – you got to keep getting feedback. Correct. It's going to put you ahead. We're going to take a break. Uh, be back with Sarah Candidate and uh, her, her wonderful book, You According to Them. She's given us great ideas and including some two awesome universities to attend if you're going to the Texas area. You know, they're border Harvards and Yales, but they're just UTEP and University of Austin. Is that what it is? University of Texas. Anyway, we'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Second hour. Grande, we're going to call it. The Matt Townsend Show Grande. Two hours of uh, bliss and excitement with the highest of reputation right here. We, we, uh, we're talking reputation today. So if any of you are joining us right now, we are talking to Sarah Canada, who is going to be, let's just say, our reputation coach. She's trying to teach us how to gather and uh, garner a little bit more self-respect and a little more self-awareness when it comes to how we impact others in our work environment. Uh, she's an MBA. She spent 15-plus years in the corporate America world. She's a speaker, consultant, coach, certified emotional intelligence specialist, and the author of You According to Them. You can find more about that book and Sarah, and she's got a great site with a blog and, and all these tools to help you there on her website, sarahcanaday.com, sarahcanaday.com. <laughs> did I get it right, Sarah? You did. See how that is. It's because yeah. I worry about my reputation. There you go. A lot of people wouldn't think that the way the show goes, <laughs> but I, I really care about it. I really care actually more about your reputation, sadly. Um, Sarah, help me here, because here we sit. We're not quite, you know, people are out there. They've got their talents, their gifts. Some people don't want to have an oppressive company that's going to hold them down and not let them be them. You're not saying to not be you. You're just right. saying, if you're going to be you, you still have to know how it impacts everyone else. Correct. And, you know, in some cases, you may even have to adjust you uh, by dialing it back or dialing it forward uh, slightly. Right. Depending on who you're working with and well, what circumstance you're under. And if you want to be paid. Well, And keep a know, job. I mean, sometimes it's hard to yeah. keep a job if you're not ever being picked. Well, that's true, and I, I guess I work so much with these subtle blind spots that, for the most part, I'm talking about successful, you know, quite successful, very sharp individuals, but there is something hmm. that is keeping them from getting to the next level, and they can't figure out what it is. Is that what you call applied self-awareness? Well, actually, applied self-awareness comes from this idea that you know, the score at halftime doesn't matter, right? And it's the same thing once we gather this feedback we talked about earlier, it really doesn't do us any good to gather this feedback unless we're willing to do something with what we learned, Mm. right? So it's the second part. It's one thing to be self-aware. I can be very self-aware about my blind spots, Mm -hmm. but if I don't do anything about them, if I don't make adjustments, if I'm not conscious about some of the behaviors that I do that could potentially turn others off, then you only have part of the equation. Yeah, you have applying, to I guess, you have to know it and apply it and change. Exactly. Applying the self-awareness is the next step. Hmm. So you gather it the way you suggested by maybe, you know, if you could get people to just open up and talk, but, you know, that's always awkward for some. So instead, maybe put together a questionnaire some type of a survey, uh, you can go use some of the free online tools and um, gather the feedback about, you know, three to five adjectives of how you want to impact others. Be very specific about your questions. Um, yes. And then and then really, like, how do I – how like, if you want to be somebody that's seen as a really strong communicator, ask questions about that. How do – I guess – are they but not open-ended? 
Yes, open-ended would be fine. Okay. In fact, you do want open-ended. But specific. So how how do you see that I impact you? Do I impact you positively? And how do I impact you in my communication style? Right. Cool. Right. Or, or you could even say, you know, in your observation, how are others, what are others' responses and reactions to my communication style? Hmm. Right. Um, so it doesn't have to be that person in particular that right. has a reaction, but how have they observed others' reactions? That's great. Is What are the challenges to raising this awareness? I mean, it, it seems like a no-brainer, and it seems like if we were actually wanting to improve, we'd do this naturally. Right. Well, it's one of those things that it's it's not pretty. You know, we don't want it. We don't yeah. want, it's kind of messy. We, it, well, we don't want to hear it um, because... You know, there's all kinds of reasons, but it's just something that we'd we'd rather not hear. Or, or in some cases, we've actually been rewarded for certain behavior oh, yeah. through a period of time in our life. And those behaviors are no longer serving us, right? So that's why I think it's, um, you know, I don't think people deliberately avoid being self-aware. I think there are times when literally they, they don't think there's a need to be more self-aware, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, maybe you're not seeing negative results right. because of it. I mean, because, you know, you know you're 80% there. Exactly. But it's the 20% that could, I guess, take you to the next level that you're also missing. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. What do you say to somebody that feels stuck? You know, maybe they're already stuck in this lack of awareness and it's already – they've already been beaten down. They've kind of already created a reputation with their work group. How do they, how do they change everyone else's perception? Well, you know, I don't think that it's, it's, it didn't happen overnight. And so it's certainly not going to change overnight. Right. But I think it's never too late. And I think the best way in that particular situation that I've seen is for that person to be extremely transparent, Mm. right? Because if they try to pursue getting closer to what they want others to perceive them as without revealing what they're doing, then people start to get suspicious because they're starting to see maybe subtle differences in the behaviors or subtle differences in the approaches. Yeah. And they're not quite sure how to take that. They're suspicious. That seems inauthentic. Um, So the best way in that situation is for the person to be as transparent as possible and say, here is what I've learned about my reputation here. And here is what I would like to do. You know, here's how I would like it to change. Here's what I'm willing to do to change it. Yeah. Um, And then they can even go one step further and say, based on what you know, that you've heard me say on where I want to go with my reputation, what suggestions might you have? Boy, that's huge, isn't it? Right. Well, then you've enrolled people in helping you change your reputation. And they see that you have a commitment to it, and they're not going to be as skeptical or wonder why suddenly you're trying some different tactics and and approaches. I I think, yeah, that has the potential to really be uh, something that takes it to the next level. Then then they all even become kind of stewards of wanting to help you get – if you can get them bought in, then they may want – they're actually wanting to help you succeed, giving you more feedback instead of sitting back quietly just laughing or wondering what are you doing. Exactly. I mean, that, that's this awareness and your adaptability to your own gifts, your own 
kind of the nuances of how you relate. It's got to have if, – if you can get control of it and understand yourself better, there's got to be a huge kind of business advantage. There's got to – I mean it seems like it's a great job uh, advantage to be more self-aware. It, it, it could take you to the next level. It could create a bigger player. Absolutely. And I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Um, I've seen it work both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Talked about in the beginning. I've seen it hold people back. I've seen people self-sabotage without even knowing it because of, of their lack of self-awareness. And then I've seen people who absolutely, because they're so self-aware, are they successful? You know, I've had that challenge. I've had many people in corporate workshops say, you know what? Look at, look at some of these outliers. Yeah. Like these entrepreneurs and their rogue behavior, and look how successful they are. And my challenge to them is, yes, they are, A, they're the exception. But I would even go as far as to say, how much more successful would they have been yeah. being more self-aware and having more people support what it is they're doing? Because that's what it amounts to. Yeah. People like working with you if they feel comfortable with your approach, if they feel that they uh, can relate to you and you can relate to them, then they're much more inclined to support where it is you're going. Mm-hmm. And it, so, yeah. It just seems like you see that, I mean, like high school. Go back to high school with me, Sarah. Do you remember okay. back in high school, there was always this, these certain people that just seemed to stand out. They were just phenomenal. You know, the cheerleader or the football stud. And in that environment, their skill set was just dominant. They were incredible. They they actually they mastered that skill set, that area, that environment. Well, we grow up. Right. And things change. And the cheerleader is not always able to keep recreating and nor is the jock nor is the whatever the musician we all had kind of our own identity i guess what you're saying is being able to push your awareness even higher just makes you more adaptable more um resilient more able to change yes because you know we are going to be put our we're putting ourselves in environments that are ever-changing that are extremely uncertain so what may have worked for you in high school or what may have been your brand or your niche may no longer serve you. Right. And so you've got to be able to, you know, be aware of those things that may have served you in a certain role. I mean, even in a role you play, right. Mm -hmm. Um, may not transfer to this game of corporate. What do you, Uh, uh, what's this business X factor? The business X factor, um, I think that's more relatable. Some people call it executive presence, professional presence, leadership presence. Um, it's essentially, you know, it, it's, it's those subtleties that we know and we see it, but it's hard to explain. Yes. So that's the X factor. And we can maybe describe that person, you know, mm-hmm. the person that walks in the room and without being demanding, they automatically command respect. The person in meetings where they don't necessarily have to say a lot, but when they talk, people tend to be captured. Hey, Sarah, you know, just as you're saying this, 
<laughs> Every all of my team, they're all pointing to themselves. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, it's like, oh my heavens, is she describing me? I feel embarrassed, oh like she's talking about me. Oh. But uh, is that normal that everyone thinks I got that? Yeah. Yeah, because everyone no, here thinks they no. do. On the contrary, I, there are a lot of people who are very successful that that you know say, "How do I do that?" Yeah. You know, I I am extremely talented in what in my field. Right. I know the industry inside and out. I can do pivot tables in my sleep, <laughs> but when it comes to executive presence. I don't know the first thing. Yeah. How do I get it? Because I'm seeing that it's serving these other people, and I think it would serve me as well. So I don't. I think it's, it's actually harder for most people, right, because it's not a tangible technical. We can't check off the box. Do we get that certification? Yep, check. Got it. Did we get yeah. The, yep. Did we get the advanced degree? Check. Yeah. Right? Those are very technical, tangible things we can check off. Executive presence is a very intangible. And... It normally takes a behavioral adjustment, which is, is like a muscle. You've got to work out constantly over time to build that muscle. Yeah. So we, we tend to ignore the intangible factors that can get us ahead because intuitively we know, but it's almost harder to do. No, I think that's – it seems like that's the, the failure of most humans is we, we focus a lot on the tangibles, the hard – you know, the things that we got to get done every day. We got to clean the house. We got to get our kids to school. You got to get good grades. But then we kind of forget the intangibles. Hey, we can also have peace and love and right. appreciation, all these intangibles. But with a leader, you're, it's kind of that. It's just the, it's that charisma. It's that, it's the thing that people want to follow. It's that intangible power that people want to follow. It is. It's that person that has that right mix of confidence and humility at the same time, yeah. right? It's, um, you know, the person that in a crisis can be decisive, but yet show some emotion. Mm. It's, it's all of these just almost seemingly opposite characteristics that they're able to just pull out at the right time with the right people. And it's just this uncanny read of others and of themselves. Yeah, and that's the business X factor. As we wrap this up, Sarah, um, give us the one thing. So I always ask people, what's the one thing that makes the biggest difference uh, when it comes to our own awareness and and understanding how we influence people? What would you say is it? What's the what's the most leverageable thing we could do right now? Well, I, I said it earlier. I'll just say it differently. I think we so underestimate the value of our intangible skills. Hmm. That is ultimately what's going to set us apart. We can ship overseas our technical skills. Yeah. We cannot ship overseas our creativity and the way we bring our skills to the table. That is what's critical today in working yeah. environments. The intangible skills. Good stuff, Sarah. Appreciate you being on the show, and I'm glad we oh, glad, fi- glad we figured out the voice thing. Yes, uh, you're now carrying it very well. Good. Also well, appreciate just the fact that uh, you've helped us increase our own reputation because uh, I now have six people here who all have the business X factor. Excellent, excellent. That was that was what I was hoping for. To just make sure yeah. your team all knew they had it. Well, yeah. <laughs> it seems to me that it would be harder to get than just pointing to yourself. But apparently, yeah. um, just the pointing helped. Good. 
Good. Well, it was a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Sarah. And again, go check out uh, Sarah's book, You According to Them, on sarahcanaday.com. sarahcanaday.com. Good stuff. We're learning. It's the intangibles, you know? That's my mantra. Don't underestimate the value of the intangibles. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're taking a break. We'll be right back. Ah, we're going to talk about uh, some some ways to misrepresent yourself. Apparently, you know, there's people out there that do that. Not here, because you're dealing with only the best with Business X Factor. The Matt Townsend Show, right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about your reputation. And, uh, you know, nothing can ruin your reputation more than pretending to be something you're not. If you misrepresent yourself in a job interview or on your resume or in social media, you know, you may be setting yourself up for a big fall. Our own Hannah Montana has been misrepresenting herself for years and joins (laughs) us now with an update. Hannah. Well, so far it's working pretty well. For me. You um, actually are not the star Hannah Montana. No, I'm not. Really? I know that comes You as are a not shocker. a Disney star Hannah Montana. That's why I was hired, but. Um, You're not Miley Cyrus. Yeah, I just kind of. She went underground for a while and I was fine, you know, saying I was Hannah Montana, but then she kind of, you know, went crazy and now yeah. everyone's like, wait. You're not Hannah Montana. You're not Hannah Montana. Like, nope. You actually, now that I think about it, you don't even look like Hannah Montana. Yeah, I know. It's. But you are a singer. Yeah, well, some people can pretty blatantly lie. Yeah. Yes, I am a singer. Give us examples of people who would blatantly lie, like on a resume. Or I mean, that to me, it just seems like you're just setting yourself up. I think that there's not there's a lot of people who don't necessarily blatantly lie, but they misrepresent themselves in yeah. like work situations. If the whole dreaded interview question, "What is your biggest weakness?" <laughs> no one is ever like, "Well, I stay up till three in the morning every night watching Netflix." Yeah, or, I do illegal drugs. I'm really lazy. No one says that. I, I procrastinate all the time. Yeah, you you turn the po- negative into yeah. a positive. So you you say, "I care about projects too much." Yeah. Or I project self-expectations. So in other words, I'm going to have really high expectations of myself and others. So, Isn't like, that – see, people do that. that. Everyone knows that's how you get around it in the resume. Yeah, no, totally. And in your resume, you, you paint things in a way that you're like, look how impressive this is when really it's, it's not that amazing. Yeah, we're lying. But I think actually some of the funniest ones are on people's online profiles, whether social media or dating. Really? Um, okay. So, so these are ideas if you're out there online and you want to lie about so you can get a better date, eventually marry well, somebody under a lie. these are the ones that come back to bite you. Okay, let's hear them. So if any guy says they're six feet tall, chances are they're, they're two inches shorter. Really? 5'10"? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I'm 5'11", so I'd need to say I'm 6'1". Well, because when guys start getting about five foot eight, they start rounding up a couple of inches. Um, it was super <laughs> you just funny. Just rounded up to the nearest foot. I'm five eight. I'm six foot. Well, even then, they say if they're five eight, they'll say they're five yeah. ten. And I've had um, clients complain about that, like, because and then I get there, and he's four eleven. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. Liar. Yeah, it's it's. It's funny, though, because you look at the normal height distribution of U.S. males. Yeah. And then you look at the dating, like, height distribution, and it goes here. But then it's all to the left. <laughs> and, like, the instead of having, like, a spike here, it's just a lot We're bigger. We're all taller every- than we. 
It's it, you know, it's funny if that would be really funny if you weren't eventually going to date the person. Like if eventually you're dating this person. Yeah. So I guess what you think is, hey, when they show up and you're like eight inches shorter, you're just going to then <laughs> wow them with your charisma and land the deal. Maybe. I think the main thing is they're like two inches. No one will notice if it's two inches. Mm. But it's a girl that would drive me nuts. If the girl's six foot, she's going to (laughs) notice. Yeah. Right? She's going to go, oh, okay. Another one that is kind of funny is people report their income as 20% higher than it actually is. Uh, The older you get. Unless, of course, the IRS is asking. Yes. Then it's 40% lower. But I didn't realize that on online dating profiles, it asks for like your. Your salary. Does it really? And um, according to like dating profiles and self-reported stuff that's not IRS, four times more than there should be people say that they make $100,000 a year. Four times more than actually do. Than exist in the world. Because if so, we would – Yeah, we'd we'd be a very rich country. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm totally for that. Four times more, huh? Yeah. Liars. That's crazy. I mean, I get lying about abs. Like, I lie <laughs> that I have them. But that's just, you know, it's just your abs. I'm not lying about income. Nah, it, it starts pretty small. I mean, you could put on your profile, I have a six-pack, and people will believe you. Yeah, and but you I'll... could have a six-pack, like in the fridge, and that's different. You could say it. Hey, I, I said I had a six-pack. So, Mr. I never said it was on my body. <laughs> it's in the fridge. No, but have, I think I've definitely met people before where um, they seem nothing like they oh, yeah. do. That's it. That's it. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Have you seen that show? Oh, I love that movie. Liar. She's a liar because she was a he. Yeah, she was a Robin Williams. Which is creepy because she was then in the home <laughs> of her ex. That's just creepy. No, uh, she loves – he loves her children, his children. Okay. I, I'm getting sure. so confused. He loves her – that he dressed – he cross-dressed and then went in a house and then – He was a housekeeper, a really good housekeeper. No. And he learned. See? But in the end, what happened? He they... caught on fire. The dude caught on fire cooking dinner, didn't he? No. Oh, maybe that's another show. <laughs> was that Mary Poppins? I, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think it's a good point. We shouldn't lie. We should tell the truth. We should be who we are. Unless it's a job interview. No. Is that how you got the job? <laughs> Hannah, did you lie? I said my biggest weakness was I care too much. Really? I don't remember, honestly. They said, Matt, what's your biggest weakness? And I said, I love people. I've, I've but that actually, was a lie. I think I've said this on the show before, but I was helping a guy get ready to, for an interview. And I asked him for fake interview questions. I said, what is your big, biggest weakness? And he said, I'm lazy and I lie a lot. It's <laughs> just like no. Was that no, your you boyfriend? Don't. No, we, no. It was a, it was a boy in our old ward. Me and my sister yeah. were helping him, but it was so funny. Did he get the job? Uh, I don't think so. Well, too bad. But he shouldn't lie. Yeah. And that was a lie, by the way. He really doesn't lie. See, yeah. the lie killed him. He didn't get his job. Anyway, we're taking a break. When we come back, Meg Conley is going to be here with us. Now, you know Meg because she she has that killer blog, Meg in Progress. She hasn't walked in the room yet, so we're dying to see what she's going to wear today. She is always the queen of just incredible dress, and that's no lie. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about your reputation, and uh, who better to do that than our very favorite guest of all time in the history of the universe, <laughs> Meg Conley's joining us. Meg is the uh, the owner, the proprietor of MegInProgress.com. I think it is the world-renowned blog. <laughs> uh, it has won abundant awards, so tens, many. tens of thousands I can't blogging even count them awards. On, on one hand, how many awards it's won. So. And Meg, by the way, is a writer. Deals yep. in womanhood, motherhood, spiritualityhood, and all things hoodish. Right. right? She has two kidlets, <laughs> Zuzu and Viola. Viola. What? You were so close. I was going to say right. Vi. I was. I'm I was saying put, Vi. You, you know, I'm helping my four-year-old learn how to read right now, and you put a long line on top of things that are going to be... I know, but... The, she, right? So if you put a long line on top of the I, yeah. you know Viola. Well, but when I do that, I've done it here, and then we're going to throw this paper <laughs> right. So it's now done. You have, I'll have them spell it phonetically for you. You have a cute husband, Riley. Yeah, you got it. And um, here's the deal, Meg. Yeah. First thing Meg says, by the way, sporting, again, an incredible look. Uh, Something I didn't know you could put together. (laughs) You probably shouldn't put it together. Dots, polka dots. Right. Multicolored polka dots, skirt, and then... It's like an English sweater. Like a a snowflake. It's a Scandinavian sweater, Oh, Scandinavian sweater. it is. It's beautiful. By Odd Molly. Go buy their stuff. Wow. Um, So when when she walked in, we all gasped. Like, wow. (laughs) She took our breath away. And she, her first question was, where's Sky Boy? Poor guy. And then we had to fill her in that Sky is Sky's got visitors uh, on his head. I still don't believe this is true. Well, to tell you the truth, we don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> but it could be. But it could be. And isn't that and all we're that going with it? Right. But here's the deal. Um, you said you actually have a special brush he can use. I do. It's um, the Robo Lice Comb, hmm. and it's just this metal brush that you. You know, pull through yeah. your hair and it electrocutes the lice. Yeah, no, I've and seen kills those. Them. I've, yeah. I've seen them like at the park and they're like, <laughs> right, right. like mosquitoes it's fly kind, into it. It kind of sounds like Is it like that? that but yeah, you rub it, it on but your it head. Does, but it doesn't, it doesn't hurt your head. Then you don't have to use the shampoo because I have kids. Yeah. So somebody, somebody sent it to me because they wanted okay. me to talk about it on my blog. Well, I think so. they've already shaved his head. <laughs> right. Well, then you're good. That, I Maybe wonder we just if rub he has that. a head that can like stand up to being shaved. Not everybody has a good oh, yeah. head shape for that. That'll be interesting. Well, yeah. Wear a hat. <laughs> you know what? I think with the plate in there now on his right, head, it's, right. it looks better. Here's my question. How many references to Deer Hunter 2014 none, none without him? Yes. See, that's the thing. This is why I'm here. Without him, I can move on <laughs> to, to talk about head lice, other things. Robocomb. Robocomb. The important parts of Now, life. I don't want to just point something out that seems obviously obvious, but um, you actually have a Robocomb, which yes. means uh, obviously we've had a problem. Here's the thing. Like I said- Because maybe that's where Sky got it. It was sent to me, so we haven't had to use it yet. So someone thought you needed Somebody it. Somebody thought I'd do a product review, but it seems oh. like you'd have to have lice to do the product review. Oh, it's review. a business. Okay, so, oh, I was thinking the just business. somebody outside no, said, no, no, oh, no, you need <laughs> No, the the people okay. who created it sent okay. it to me. Right. So it's Robocomb. Just sitting in my closet waiting for when my kid comes home from school. You know with what? That let's let's make that problem. Let's make that our new uh, marketing endeavor. Robocomb. Sure. sure. Yeah. And let's I like have a that. bell. Can we get a bell every time we say Robocomb? Robocomb. Robocomb. So I'm trying to pronounce it different ways. <laughs> that okay. kind of makes it sound like it's from like some kind of anime. I think we ought to say exactly. Yeah, that's nice. We ought to say Robocomb twenty fourteen. 
Right, right. There we go. It's probably really 2015. That's how cool it is. Wow. Yeah. We're two years ahead. Right, right. right. It's pretty good. <laughs> Meg, uh, now here's the deal. I did not know this about you. Not only are you an extraordinary writer. Thank you. And blogger and dresser. Right. <laughs> and, um, and hair comber. Yeah, I can get rid of your lice real fast. Lice, uh, yeah. Lice remover. Lice remover. Yeah. You're also, you have a you have a history in PR. Yeah, I worked in PR for a couple years. So, really? yeah, so it was it was a lot of that fun. Explains you, <laughs> that explains it. Explains it, because you got to um, learn about companies and then um, figure out what was true about them and then spin it to make it sound better. See? <laughs> That's it. It's a spin. They make a spin. Right, right. But they need a story. They make up a story. Is that where you fell in love with stories? Right, because you got to write stories. So that's why I thought PR was a good fit. But then... um uh, you can you can be ethical and be in PR, but um, and I know people who have done it and made lots of money being ethical in PR. But I don't know if I would have continued to. Yeah, you were falling to the dark tell side. The truth. So, yeah. so it was good that I stepped away. But right now, so so back in the day, the 1950s, when people wanted you to buy their products, they would say, "You need our product." Yeah, they would show the vacuum in your life, say that the product would fill it, and then that was it. And you were expected to be saved by the company. Well, that doesn't really work anymore. There are so many um, diverse options with the internet. That's really changed the way the consumers... Sure, YouTube. There's companies, Will It Blend. Have you seen that? No. Go to YouTube, go look up Will It Blend, and they have a blender, and you can blend anything you want. That's amazing. Cell phone. Blended. No way. Yeah. Tiki torch. (laughs) Shredded. (laughs) So I'm thinking if I, you know, if you can blend a tiki torch, right? I want that blender. I want that blender. Because I'm making smoothies this That's morning. That's amazing. That's right. So, so um, PR companies or and and the clients that they work for have had to shift their focus a little bit. So right now, the big thing, and I think it will continue to be the big thing, is to tell stories. Hmm. Storytelling is the way that you reach your. Okay, audience. what do you mean though? Okay, so for example, the Dove campaign is yes. everybody familiar with that? All right, is that the low or the shampoo or the what's it called? So, right, sure. Dove right. soap. Soap, shampoo, lotion, mm-hmm. they do everything. So their campaign over the past few years has been about finding true beauty, and it's featured women of all shapes, sizes, colors, okay, occupations, yeah. right? right? So they're telling a story, yeah. okay? So there are four components to storytelling cool. as okay. far in the PR Get your world, pens. right? Okay? I'm getting my But pen. what we're going to talk about is how to apply them to your everyday life, how this PR strategy will make your life, great. your family life better, okay? I like it. I've got my book out. So, because I like that. Oh, and it's like highlighted. I highlighted it. That's nice. It's, okay. it's my scrapbook. Okay, so the first thing you need to do is craft your story. So what you're doing is you're putting together an explanation of how the world works, hmm. the world that you want your product, your lifestyle to exist in, okay? So so Dove, for example, we're going to use them as an example because I love their campaign, um, is their story is that society makes women believe that they are less beautiful than they truly are. Yes. Okay, so that's the story that they're yeah. opening with, okay? And then you need to apply meaning into your story. So um, Dove's Is that number meaning, two? Yeah, that's number okay. two. Okay. Yes, thank I'm you. I'm trying to keep up. <laughs> um. So Dove's meaning, what they want women to walk away from their campaign feeling is that you are actually more beautiful than you think you are. Okay? So that's what at the end of every um, piece of the campaign, whether it's a billboard or a TV spot, they want you to leave feeling like you're more beautiful than than you think. Okay? So number three, the story needs to underline lessons that you are trying to get across. So back to Dove. 
Dove uses women that their audience can relate to. Yeah, so maybe a woman with bad skin, bad skin, or a woman with that's a little overweight, or a right. woman that wouldn't normally be on a commercial. Not for soap. these conventional yeah. beauties, because right. love it. The word conventional beauty is ridiculous because there's right. no such yeah. thing. Who's right? And right. everything is photoshopped and it's yeah. ridiculous. And so Dove's whole thing is like, you're beautiful. And when I see the Dove ads, I think, oh, my goodness, I see myself in her and I think she's beautiful. See? So therefore, maybe I am. I need that What a product. good message. Love it. And the other thing that's really interesting with the Dove story is they never, ever mention lotion or they soap don't. or anything. No, because you're selling in the their, story. Right, in their big flagship ads. That is never mentioned. And then um, finally, number four, you need to provide your audience with a ritual for addressing le- the lessons in their own lives. Love so, it. So for Dove, because they want all these videos and TV spots to go viral, the ritual is they want their audience to share the video. So by sharing the video, you're doing two things. Um, it's an act of defiance against a society, a message from Fighting society. Back. Right, that you don't believe in anymore. Like, And it's also an act of solidarity. Love it. So they've created this community. Love it. So when I go, and it works, yeah. because when I go into the grocery store and I'm faced with, you know, a row of inexpensive lotions, one that probably isn't much different than the other. I choose Dove because I feel like I'm supporting their message. Yeah. And it's a message that was probably written by a bunch of white dudes in their 50s. No, totally. But, Just like, but it works, right? That's why I choose Axe. <laughs> oh, dear. Because you remember Axe is like he takes a bath in his Axe shampoo right, right. and then the girls are all over him. Yeah, we call Axe something else in my house, but oh, really? I don't think I'll say it here. Yeah, good. So. Thank you. Thanks for controlling yourself, Matt Conley. But uh, it's interesting that – okay, so how does this apply to us? Okay. Craft, my, craft a story. Let's craft okay, a story. Okay, so craft your story. So this kind of – Craft your own story. listeners that heard us last Tuesday when we talked about creating a mission statement yep. for your family, okay? Maybe that's your story. That's what we're crafting. Right. So for me and for my family, and it's different for everyone, but – our story is um, intensely spiritual, growing closer to God. Yep. It's full of compassion, acts of charity, service. Okay, that is ideally what we want our story to be, acceptance of self, but is that, That's the meaning, too. You've got the story right. and the meaning all right. in one little glob. Right. That's right. good. And so um, so, so once, you, once you decide that that is your story, okay, so how do we frame our lives around that, okay? And it's helpful, like we talked about last week, to have that mission statement yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Like you guys have a couple words you say right, yeah. that will be repeated upon your death. Rock apparently. on. Okay. Those are the words. Rock <laughs> so, on. Two so words. But they're moving. So once you decide what your story is, once you've written it down, and we mentioned that FranklinCovey.com has yeah. a, a tool that will help you do that. Um, and once you've decided... You highlight the things throughout the story that you want to apply specific emphasis on, like the meaning that you really want to focus on. And then you go to number three, which is um, figure out what lessons you're trying to get across and use those to work. So for me with my children, every day I know I want my children to help others. Mm-hmm. So when we're driving down the street and we see some a panhandler on the corner, how do I teach that greater lesson through how we Beautiful. interact with that panhandler? Yeah. So that is a part of a greater story. Yeah. That incident didn't have to happen That's for a our story to remain that the we're same. Gonna make, exactly. uh, we're going to make our house into. That's exactly. an experience. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and this is the other thing I didn't mention in, and you see this time, you know, whether you're reading Forbes or the Huffington Post has a 
few great articles on storytelling in PR, which I'm sorry, Dad, I read the Huffington Post. But, <laughs> oh, Ariana oh, Huffington. On. Yeah, that's like how my dad talks too. <laughs> Liberals. <laughs> no, but I'm not a liberal, Dad. That's great. But, um, um, the story has to be true yeah. for it to have any resonance. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Otherwise, because we all know fluffery. Right, right. right. And so um, – so the other thing that we need to focus on is um, living your story because – and this is what companies are doing all over the world too, like Patagonia, for example, yeah. Subaru. So they have this story, but consumers are smart. They can yeah. look behind the curtain. And so your children are smart. They can look behind the curtain. You can tell them to serve others. But if you throw trash at the panhandler's face as you're right. driving by – Get out you're of the not, way. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And another thing that I love that the companies are doing right now is they're making the audience the hero. So Nike's Just Do It, yeah. they're empowering you. So make sure whatever story you've decided to center your life around, that it enables your family instead of dictating what yeah. your family does. Right. Love so it. So that's great, right? No, How many, see, we're learning so many good things from these evil corporations. Well, you'd think. And, see, that's, <laughs> and they do it for a reason, right? Right. And right. The, one thing they do, you, the ritual, you could start tying it down to the ritualistic way of implementing your purpose. Right, so exactly. every day on the way, anytime you get your kids in the car, great. What can we do on the way to school today to get exactly. closer to service or be right. more open right. to service? Right. Love and it. so, um, you know, one of the rituals that we do every single night, because part of our story is hopefully staying close together as a family, mm-hmm. is we have a big dance party before bedtime. Really? So they get to pick three songs. Unfortunately, it's usually Taylor Swift. Yeah. I've got a bunch of girls in my well, house. Well, wait till they're 18 <laughs> and it's Miley Cyrus. No. That, no, it stop. happens. Not when they're 18. She'll be... She'll be over. Oh, It'll, right. be She'll over. Be It'll be over. It'll be something else. <laughs> and then we dance together and we're goofy. Because is I wanted... Riley in on this? Yeah, he totally dances. It's Can amazing. he move? Is he, has he got the moves? Yeah, you know, we're both working on it. But, <laughs> but we do dance because I also want them to feel free within our house. Hopefully that's also part of our yeah. story. So that silly little ritual at the end of the night teaches them. That they're safe to be themselves, that it's not embarrassing to express yourself, that we can have fun together. And all of that is held within like this little 12 minute dance session. So great. Tell me this how does the dance session tie into your meaning? Right. Well, again, open, free, I guess you're saying. Exactly. Those are the principles. Right. And love it. And our desire. to have shared experiences because as mm. – I mean I'm sure you know this much better than I do. But as your children get older, you start losing some of those yeah. shared moments. Oh, yeah. And so if we can create a foundation of those early on, then hopefully that continues as part of our story later. Oh, I love that. Yay. I'm dancing. Hey, honey, I'm, we're dancing tonight. We're dancing tonight. <laughs> the kids are all out. Get like, Barry Manilow on. <laughs> Daddy's oh, going to hey, dance tonight. Barry's pretty great. Is he? Yeah. Don't really? you hate Not, on Barry. I was saying that as a joke. <laughs> no, he's – no, He's but really, A-okay. is he? Can you dance to Barry? Sure. I mean, da- Barry uh, seems more like, like maybe you know, sort of s- sitting on the couch. You know, I can't name a Barry Manilow song, but I know it when I hear it. Oh yeah, so- <laughs> no, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of like when that car behind you is hitting the brakes, <laughs> skidding. Right. You don't know if you're going to get hit, but you're pretty you're sure pretty you're going to sure. get hit. You're pretty sure you can yeah. feel, and your it. whole body tenses up. Right, that's the same thing that happens yeah. to me. And I like Barry. He's never good met guy. the guy. Good guy. Good times. Meg, <laughs> it's never dull with you. You know, I do my best. But how exciting so we can all be our own Huge. PR managers. I love it. Yeah. PR. It doesn't Meg have Conley. to be bad. Meg, are you sticking with us through this I last am. little bit? You know it. We, um, uh, again, you need to go check out Meg's website, her, her blog. It's called Meg in Progress. 
or she likes to call it progress. <laughs> Schedule. Schedule. But Meg, uh, go really check it out. She's she's profoundly good. And sometimes yeah. a hot mess. So. And sometimes a hot mess. <laughs> and dresses. <laughs> like she's multi-generational in her dress. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Come back with Meg Conley. We're going to be talking about dead-end jobs. You know, how do you take a, a dead-end job? What jobs are dead-end, really? And uh, what do you do instead of taking the dead-end job? This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. How do you listen to that music and not tap your toe? Meg, you tapping your toe? Doing it, yeah. I can feel it. Yep. (laughs) Can you tap your toe somewhere else, Meg? (laughs) This is the Matt Townsend Show. (laughs) Today we're talking about uh, reputations. All day long we've been talking about it. You all right, Meg? (laughs) That was a snort. Meg just snorted. That I was the snor- first I snort on the I show. Left. That was a year and a half we've done the show. That's first snort. Rough. Can we can we save that as a soundbite? No, that's coming up. That will be that's going to be her intro next time. It'll just be a snort. Oh. Here's what I'll do. I'll take the I music. I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. And yeah. then I'll take the snort and I'll yeah. put it into the downbeat um, of the music. Yeah, you're good. welcome, everybody, <laughs> for this moment. Yeah, but will you send me that I, that file? I want to put it on my Facebook page. And I'm going to pin it on Pinterest. I will unlike your do. Facebook page if you do, you do like that. It? Yeah. Don't unlike I it. I like. Yeah, I like it. Well, where have you been? It's a highly acclaimed page. I've liked it for months. Okay. Don't make Please. me get mad. Hey, <laughs> now here's the deal. Some people like look at this show and they're like, whoa, talk about dead end jobs. And then others are like, hey, I'd give anything to be on the Matt Townsend show. And then that was my mom. <laughs> would say that. Oh, she snorted again. Did you get that one? Put the mic by her when she's about to snort. That's okay. It was pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I could just like boost the volume on yeah, that. Yeah, do that. Just pick it up. You, you better know. be nice. I was so nice about your cosplay a couple weeks ago. Oh, you were. You were I up on that. I was very nice. Yes, it's yes. fine. You know I mean, what it is, welcome. Meg? It's a deviated septum. <laughs> I do have a deviated now, do septum. You? I do. My I just sister don't want to get it fixed. One. Yeah. Do you think that's what's doing it? Well, I don't know. It's I no. Let me look at it. Let me look. I, I don't know if you know that. I'm a doctor. I do uh, moles and marriages. <laughs> um, okay, Merit. Dead-end jobs. What is the game? This is a game? Okay, this is a game. Now, hold on. How could a dead-end job be a game? Okay, this is what we're going to do. Okay. I'm going to throw out a dead-end job. Okay. And the first one, either you or Meg or Bryce. We'll throw Bryce in here, too, for kicks and giggles. Yay. <laughs> I want if, more of the kicks. If you can All come up with <laughs> a job that's kind of equivalent. Okay. More like the one that matches my list that I printed out from the internet, but that's okay. Okay. Yeah. If you can come up with a job that's similar, but will actually go somewhere okay. and might make a career, yeah. Yeah. then this you win a point. This okay? is how I got my job here. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Number one, telemarketer. What else could you do? Other than telemarketing? Yeah. What's a similar thing that might actually lead to a career? Bounty hunter. <laughs> Go find people okay. and harass them until they do what you want. Yeah, them to bill do. collector. I think sales because once you can survive telemarketing, you can survive anything. And okay. sales is brutal. I've got one better. Uh, one of those dating lines that you call to talk to a lady. You know the ones that are on there and they're like, hi. Yeah. Those lines. You do mean they... the number you give to guys who are creepy? Yeah. Okay. Those people. The rejection hotline? Yeah. yeah. Those. That's okay. The, okay. Yeah. Telemarketer. Okay. You know what? I'm going to give Meg that point. 
Hold. Yeah. Damn. That was the closest. Hold. She said sales. Yeah. yeah. That's totally accurate. Really accurate. Accurate. I think really it's good. very broad. Mine was very specific. <laughs> no, on my list said public relations specialist. Oh, she used to do that. Yeah. That's why. She okay, did. I get it. So, That's why she gets that one. Okay, I'll get the does. next one. Okay, ready? Number okay. two. We'll go postal service clerk. Postal service clerk. What's a different? What's a parallel job yeah, that parallel would job actually that have actually upward mobility? Uh, a carny. Okay, with all due respect to all the postal service clerks listening to yeah. this show right now, because well, they're and, not at work because they're postal service clerks. And the carnies. <laughs> um, what about dog groomer? Because I feel like you have to like deal with so many angry, weird customers Good, that's all day actually, long. And, and then, so uh, you could op- like dog grooming. Vet tech. That's a yeah. vet tech. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. That, that, that could be a career. Yeah. Sure. I can see that because as someone working at the post office, taking in the packages and stuff, yeah. they have to figure out how to deal with different sizes, different oh, needs. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Dogs, that's very nice. Yeah. I was dogs, about the weird much customers. like male, yes. are not all the same sizes. Yes. Wow. You Thank you. For, I think I got the point on that just based on Bryce's. Somebody's hogging logic. the ideas. <laughs> I'm just hogging the metaphors here. All right. That's Bounty Hunter was good though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody watches cable too much. I don't hey, watch TV. That was good. I don't. It's I don't even know what a I don't dog the bounty hunter. That just makes me think a dog in actually doing stuff. Yeah. That's... But he lived in Hawaii, so whatever. So you do watch TV. Okay. Next. Bryce, do you have an alternative? I, I think An Meg just won that. Grade. I think Meg just. I uh, no, You're no. not even gonna. Okay. I concede defeat. Okay. I mean, how do you mess okay, with yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I guess Meg gets the point again. <laughs> she, she's the the vet the vet you tech. Know and you, you know what? The reasoning behind the one I have on my list is actually quite similar. Really? It said, yeah, the one that they recommend instead is to do um, medical records and health information technician. Very so, similar. yeah, vet technician. Health I mean, technician. Sure. Vet technician. If you're bringing a dog in to get neutered, hey. It makes sense. It parallels working at the postal service. Obviously. I kind of don't quite get the connection, <laughs> but it's there somewhere. Okay, ready? Here's <laughs> Just call one. Meg. Meginprogress.com. Well, dog com. grooming, not vet tech. Okay. That's different. Yeah, dog right? grooming. Yeah, yeah, very different. Cutting I just, hair. I just want to, right. Yeah. I know yeah. I already have the point. Right, but right. right. Well, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, that's good. Any you're ready Yeah, let's do okay. another one. Okay, ready? Receptionist. Hmm. Hockey goalie. I see that one. I get it. Boom, boom, boom. They're always batting stuff away. Bam, bam, bam. And goal. One got through. So secretary, I feel like, is more career-oriented, right, than receptionist? Because, like, a secretary, you move on up I think we the call corporate them, ladder. I don't think we call them secretary. I think we call them assistants, don't we? Oh, you're right. That yeah. secretary is I mean, really I, sexist. Yeah. Well, I, I actually thought you would know that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like when things... Yeah. Sound like male, female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's rough. I uh, think goalie was better. Yeah, goalie's good. <laughs> Plus, they're all padded up. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I don't either, but. Shoulder pads. It's a reference to the 80s. Mm-hmm. Those little I get black it. pucks I got that it. are flying through. Oh, goalie. that was nice. Nine to five stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Any more? You got one more? Fast. You just want me to give it to you? Just give me one more. I mean, I, I mean, if I can get one more point, I time You can get one egg. more point. You need another point? Just, I mean. Let's go with door-to-door salesperson. Oh. Pfft. Stalker. <laughs> Stalker. Wait, is this S-T-O-C-K or S-T-A-L-K? A-L-K-E-R. A-L-K. Stalker. Beat that, Meg. Working in the shoe department at Nordstrom. 
You can make six figures if you're in the right city. And it's like the same thing. Like you go up to somebody, hey, am I interested in a pair of shoes? You don't think you can make money as a stalker? No. Maybe? Have you ever been stalked? Are you like a stalker extortionist? Hey, if anyone's looking to stalk somebody, Meg Conley, check her out (laughs) on her website, meginprogress.com. Oh, give Uh, me that deal. (laughs) Meg. We'll say Meg. She's the guest, Matt. We have to be nice to guests. All right. Well, Meg, thanks for coming, stealing all the points, and offending the postal workers, and the vet techs, and the stalkers. Meg, good to have you. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. Hey, Equal opportunity offense. And uh, keep snorting. Right. I am shocked it hasn't happened yet, and I'm worried that the floodgates have opened. It actually has point. happened. We've pointed it out after you Stop leave. Stop it. That's awful. I'm sure all the listeners are like, whoa, that picked up on the mic. <laughs> Was that a pop or was that a snort? Nope, that was it's a snort. It's a deformity. I have a deviated septum. I can fix it I, later. I had no idea I could blame no, it on that. come out to my car. I'll fix it. <laughs> Iron, he can yeah. take care of that right quick. All okay. I need is one little pop to the left side and we'll fix it right <laughs> out. Straighten it right out. Hey, thanks for joining us, folks. Tomorrow we've got a great show. A good friend of mine, Mike Schlappy, is going to be on the show. Mike, believe it or not, as a teenager, got shot right in the back. Paraplegic. Boom. Also, Olympic, Paralympic medal. Winner. Gold medal. Played for the Paralympic basketball team. He's the bomb. Mike Schlappy. He'll be joining us, teaching us about uh, how to deal with adversity in life. You know, he's the man. We'll be back tomorrow with that. Thanks for joining us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio.